Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. On today's show, we have our final four in the FA Cup and Aston Villa are right in the mix. We react to a historic night for the Villa and Lewis's afternoon in the sun. Plus, goals Amy Bruce-Kite joins us to preview Arsenal and Chelsea showdowns in the Champions League and we look ahead to Women's Football Weekend. I mean, Rach, very, very busy weekend uh, for you. I know you were driving here, there and everywhere. You've been giving back the keys to that wonderful little fan van. How's it been? Reunited? It's been great, yeah. We've uh, we've had her back now for about a week. Um, all kind of in the build-up to Women's Football Weekend. So 90 men in Volkswagen. Um, we've come together and with the FA. And uh, we've been trying to visit some clubs and, yeah, just um, taking her out for a spin. It's all very exciting and, and bring her to, to some of the grounds before the games. So it's been a, a busy couple of weeks. You can probably tell from the bags under my eyes. That, um, oh, yeah, is that, what, is that what that is? That's so, what that's from, yeah. That, yeah. Those, those really dark shadows. Mm. I, um, yeah, it looks like your eyes have, have, uh, have got you know significantly bigger since the last time I saw you. Thank yeah. you. I feel like we're friends now, so we can kind of say that kind of <laughs> Great. Maybe not on air, but it's too late now. <laughs> the worst thing is I'm actually wearing makeup and concealer, so you can only imagine uh, oh what it actually looks like. Of yeah, let's, ca- let's crack on. Move on, yes. move on quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, the FA Cup weekend has delivered some absolute spice. Uh, Aston Villa walking away with a big win over Man City. Uh, they won 2-1 uh, this, this weekend. They had their chances, and I feel like um, if it wasn't for Roebuck pulling out some absolutely outstanding ones, it could have been a real embarrassing defeat for Man City I wasn't hugely shocked um, because I think Villa have real confidence against Manchester City obviously that opening game of the WSL where they won and they came back um, from going down I think has given them huge confidence against these top four teams um, and then again taking a point off them at the Academy Stadium so taking four points off them in the league um, and Gareth Taylor did say after the Brighton match that they were becoming a bit of a bogey team for them so you also have to factor that into Man City's state of mind coming into the match you know I, I imagine when they saw that draw they were like oh god again do you know what I mean <laughs> um, so Yes, it's a cup set, but also like I'm not wildly surprised either because the FA Cup always has an extra edge to it. And I think you can kind of maybe expect some surprises. So, yeah, I thought Villa started, they started really well. I thought Man City looked a little bit off balance, I think, at the beginning of the game. And you're right, Roebuck pulled off some great saves. Um, And right at the end, I tell you what, like watching that last 10 minutes, I was convinced Man City were going to do a Man City and get a winner because that's <laughs> nice just you know short 89th minute yeah type it's it's such a man city thing to do to pull it out of the bag right at the death and um but actually then there was villa who had a couple of chances right at the death and you know it was it was really exciting so i think once it went into extra time i kind of thought you know what i think villa have this Oh, for sure. I mean, um, I actually think that Aston Villa looked like a team who had absolutely nothing to lose. I mean, the odds were kind of a little bit against them. I mean, like you said, obviously they've picked up points against uh, Man City, but I think um, on balance, everyone thought that it was going to be Man City's to walk away with. And obviously the form that Man City have been in recently, um, it looked like something that they could actually, you know, progress to to the the semis. But um, I was just so impressed. It was such a high press. The intensity was there. The chance creation was there. Um, Yeah, and Man City did look a bit flat. They looked unsettled. They made a few mistakes at the back which is a little bit unlike them. But yeah, I think Roebuck sort of became their their hero. Um, but yeah, I mean, afterwards, Carla Ward, I mean, she was obviously ecstatic, uh, calling it the biggest night in the club's history. I mean, a friend of the show, Tom Gary, 
put on Twitter, this is the first time since Feb uh, 2013 that Man City have been knocked out of the Women's FA Cup by a team not called Chelsea. So oh um, history was made. Um, yeah, and obviously it's Rachel Daly. It all came down to that Rachel Daly passion, the intensity, the determination. I think for me, that kind of signaled at the start of, you know, the Rachel Daly era of uh, of Villa I mean she's been doing that for, for a while now but I just think that was um you know her really bedding in and, and settling in and sort of um trying to maybe cement her place uh internationally again potentially yeah and I think obviously we know how important she is for Villa but she's doing what players like Sam Kerr do in the big moments you know Villa now have a player that can pull them out of difficult situations and I don't I'm not saying that that game was a difficult situation because I thought they played well but they'd gone to extra time so that mm. is a difficult situation you're in an FA Cup anything can happen so it's so important to have a player who can do that who has you know a winning mentality who is is intelligent on the ball reads the game really well so it's so much more than just her goals it gives the, co- the team confidence because they know something can happen when they get the ball to her um so yeah that's absolutely massive for them but with Man City like we t- we've talked a lot about their run of form, which has been very good. But I think sometimes, and this often happens, I guess, in football, is we kind of, we don't maybe look beyond the scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and having been at that Brighton game, Brighton were good and Man City were pegged back and there were opportunities for Brighton to get more goals. So not that it was necessarily showing the cracks, but it was showing vulnerabilities that maybe that Manchester City mentality of getting the wins, maybe in the last 10 minutes or so, which I'm not saying is the, has been the case all season, but there are some frailties there. And I think Aston Villa managed to expose them. So yes, they've been on a brilliant run of form, but it's, it's just why I'm not like hugely surprised, even though it is a cup set. Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, for me, I think Man City could have put the game to bed. I mean, there were a couple of really clear chances and I think they did lack that kind of ruthlessness and efficiency that we have seen sometimes. But like you said, not consistently. I mean, Chloe Kelly in that one-on-one situation, I mean... It, it's not good enough. It's absolutely not good enough to not be not be scoring or converting a chance like that because I mean that that's the game. That's your cup run completely out. Um, yeah, and also Bunny Shaw had a couple of uh, you know close misses as well. Sort of, I think she nicked. Did she nick the woodwork? It looked like she'd nick the woodwork from the angle. But um, yeah, not good enough. And obviously now they're out. So and uh, yeah, Aston Villa three to the semi-finals. It's just going to be amazing. Um, but I mean, we've got a touch on the biggie. Lewis at the dripping pan, Man United. I mean, the loss, I kind of wanted this to be the cup set, despite obviously, you know, the way I feel about Man United. I kind of wanted a championship team to cause absolute havoc. Lewis going through to a semi-final of the FA Cup and potentially facing, I don't know, the likes of Chelsea uh, would have been an absolute game changer. But I mean, Rach, you were there. The dripping pan was heaving. 2,800 fans attending. I mean, I could only watch the game at home, but I could hear there was like some jazz trumpets going off. Yep. There was like pies everywhere. I mean, the weather wasn't there. I mean, it never is. It never seems to come out in Lewis uh, for, for, the, uh, for the crowds. But I mean, what was the atmosphere like going to that game, the lead up? Well, listen, there were patches of sunshine during the day, so it wasn't terrible. Um, okay. I will take that weather. Um, so I was there two hours before kickoff and there were queues outside the stadium outside the ground like they weren't allowed to come in yet but there were people queued for an hour to get into the ground which just kind of tells you everything and they had turned that little car park at the front into a bit of a fan zone so they had pop-up stalls they had music playing they had some guy doing jazzy tricks with a football um I just think like before we even get onto the pitch off the pitch they did an incredible job at turning this into a magical FA Cup game Um, a real proper David and Goliath battle everything you expect from 
an FA Cup. Um, they were selling, you know, merchandise inside, equal FA Cup shirts, which I think Art of Football did for them. They had loads of like stuff for people to buy inside to support Lewis, which is brilliant. Um, and yeah, they had the music, they had great food, you know, people having pints. Um, they even had little goodie bags on the press seats. So everyone went home with a Lewis tote bag with some stuff inside, which, you know, when you think about the cost that goes into that, they've invested so much just in this day and this experience. And even though Lewis didn't win, you've got people going away from this match thinking this was such a brilliant experience and I want to come to the dripping pan again. So that, first of all, was fantastic. And I was really, really impressed with Lewis's performance on the pitch. Um, Man United weren't at their best, but Lewis really put it up to them. They didn't, I don't feel like they banked up for 90 minutes they were very clever with when they pressed so they would you know a lot of the time they'd be sitting just within their own half but very well timed they're kind of right we're going to go now which is what got them their goal a fantastic goal from Emily Craft it was putting the back line under pressure um, and Mary Earps with a kind of sloppy clear out and, and she sent a bit of a a bit of a lob over her but the power and the distance was fantastic and my god did the place erupt um, so yeah it was a, it was a special day I think, um, I mean, like you said there, I don't think Man United looked like they were on form. And I think, um, you know, the Dripping Pan is a very, it's a very, I mean, I've played down there a few times and um, it's a really tough ground to, to play at. I mean, back in the day, the pitch wasn't that great, but I think they've kind of leveled it out and done quite it a lot of work. It was immaculate on, on there, the on, other yeah, day. Evening it out and making it look like, um, look, look pitch perfect, basically. Um, but yeah, I think I was a little bit disappointed by um, the camera, actually, um, like, I couldn't obviously get to the game. I was kind of the quality of the camera, the quality of the angles on the camera. They, it just wasn't good enough. And it was something I think, you know, we both went to the, the Women in Football Conference, um, you know, last week. And that was amazing. And, we, the, you know, Sky Sports were there and they were talking about how they want to sort of um, raise the coverage and, and the quality of the coverage. And that for me was kind of, you know, one of the disappointing things about the day. And I don't want to detract away from the fact that obviously no, you know, no, the get atmosphere that. That, that Lewis created mm. was, was unreal. Yeah. That's interesting because I know there were four cameras um, at the match and I guess sometimes you have to factor in the surroundings and what they have to work with to get those angles so you know in some circumstances you might have a really high gantry which allows you to get like nice high, nice high and you can get a good good um, angle of the pitch but I know there was a gantry kind of it looked like a scaffolding that had been put up it wasn't very high because it was in front of an apartment buildings right across the road and just a point that was quite hilarious there's loads of people out in their apartment balconies like having coffee and watching the match <laughs> which is so cool um, but like I guess sometimes you have to factor that in with some of these grounds is and we see it I think in the men's game as well when you get an FA Cup further down the pyramid that it's not always like top-notch coverage purely because of the access so I mean you've been to the dripping pan it's like a really enclosed kind of close um ground so yeah it's, it's a shame but I know that there were four cameras there so they were doing the best of what they had it's weird because even though it's such a close ground it's still quite exposed to the elements uh, and you could tell by the way the sort of camera was moving that it looks a little bit windy maybe in that <laughs> scaffolding turret um, so I was a little bit concerned for the cameraman's safety or cameraman's safety but um, but yeah I'm glad they made it and I was able to all I wanted to see was the Emily Craft goal on repeat from a different angle so I could see what had happened to Mary Earps because she was just so fuming by it and it's um, yeah. weirdly it was quite nice to see that Mary Earps isn't a perfect human uh, she's not infallible yeah she's not stepped really out of uh, out of line or out of uh, out of sync for, for quite a while and to see her kind of I mean it was obviously I think it was the wrong decision that she made uh, I think maybe there was a bit of complacency uh, they were obviously in the lead at that point and I think um 
I think they kind of felt like they maybe had it wrapped up from from the time that they uh, they scored the first goal, and then all of a sudden they ta- she'd taken too long on the ball. She played it out to to someone under under um, under who I can't remember who it was that she played it out to. Um, it might have been Millie Turner, but I can't remember. I think it was, and um, you know the the Lewis high press at that point was was pretty intense, and then mm. obviously she passed it back to to Mary Earps, and then Mary Earps that scuff clearance, and Emily Craft. I mean. As goals go, you've got to do something pretty spectacular to beat Mary Earps. And Mary Earps at full swing, I mean, she wasn't set. She wasn't in the right position. She was kind of getting back into goal after trying to rectify her footwork after the mistake. And um, it just couldn't have happened to a better team at a better moment. And I think they deserved it. I mean, it was going to be an uphill battle for them to win this game. But I think getting that goal, that was significant in itself. And I think, you know, for a championship (coughs) team to be put in a team like Man United, who are now, you know, title contenders this year, Back to, to that kind of that kind of um, that kind of game was was unreal to see. Um, I yeah. tell you what, the two one, the atmosphere really ramped up, and they oh, were like, you know what, game. let's press everything. And you know, they they had little nervy moments around the back then uh, at two one as well. So it really it kind of changed the narrative a little bit. But I guess for you, like from from your perspective, you just touching it there, like a championship team. How special is that? Like kind of when we look at the gap is interesting. I saw someone saying an article saying that it, these games really show the gap between championship and WSL this weekend. And I actually don't agree with that. I think it was really impressive, a really impressive performance from both championship teams. Well, I think it, um, in terms of showing the gap, I think it's, it, it goes to show that the gap is narrowing uh, for me. I mean, there were times, I mean, like you said, I mean, once you, once you go into the game and you're, you're at a point where you're 2-1 against title contenders, I think that just goes to show where the championship is heading. And, you know, Lewis, they've not been doing amazingly well in the championship. And then to sort of, you know, push title contenders back to, to 2-1, I think was absolutely incredible. Um, but again, I mean, they weren't in a position that they were expected to win this game. You know, they had nothing to lose. And like you said, I mean, you know, putting on that kind of display putting on that kind of um, the atmosphere they created for, for Man United to come down I think was absolutely unreal and we've got to give a massive credit to it and a massive shout out to another friend of the pod uh, Maggie Murphy who you know she's she just wants the club to do so well and you've got to remember that Lewis are independent they don't have a big Premier League set up they don't have you know you know vast amounts and significant amounts of resources that they can just pull a game like this out of um, out of the hat but um yeah, no, just really impressed. Just really, really impressed. I'm really proud of the championship and, and how far it's come. So I think we'll start to see a lot more of the championship teams heading into you know the quarterfinals, maybe even the semifinals for, for next year. Um, yeah, that'll be exciting. And then on the flip side for Man United, their first time in a semifinal, I think, I think they still look a little bit like they're getting over that Chelsea loss. Yes. And... I think this is really, yeah, I actually think it was really important for them to get this win, even if they didn't play at their best, because, you know, Mark Skinner talks a lot about how his side are young, kind of under him, they're young, 18 months or so. Um, and I think nailing down all of these different types of experiences, you know, I was chatting to him before the game about that and about the Chelsea match and about how that's kind of like the final hurdle they need to get over. And banking all these kind of difficult experiences is only going to serve them in the future. So I think mentally for them to get that win, get into a semi-final is massive um, because obviously they've got some very, very important games coming up in the uh, towards the end of the league and they're still fighting to win it. So important for them as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the uh, the draw. Uh, that's oh. been, that's taken place this morning, but we're a little bit too early on the record to see what's uh, how that's going to... I'm Aston Villa, Brighton. Like, I want them too, because I want... Then one of them will get into the final, which would just be incredible. But okay. we know how the footballing world works. It will probably be Chelsea, Brighton, Man United, Aston Villa. I don't know. That's probably how it'll end up. So you're calling a Man United Chelsea final, do you reckon? If it goes that way, but I don't know, Villa, Villa are plucky. Okay, well, I mean, the tie takes place in a couple of hours. We're on the early record today, so uh, obviously we'll, we'll keep you updated once that's happened and, and give you our thoughts on, on how the land lies. Uh, the draw, the tie itself takes place on the 16th of April, so that'll be a really interesting couple of fixtures there. Um, but I mean, you know, we were talking there about the sort of, you know, the FA pot and the, the prize money that's now sort of, um, you know, it's increased uh, from last year to just under 3 million from, from 430,000. And Lewis have done a fantastic job of, of raising awareness of just how big the discrepancy is between the, the men's and the women's pot. Um, but again, I mean, Lewis leading the way on the old social change and the moral and ethical issues. Um, I've also got to touch on the fact, you know, some more big news coming out of the, uh, the FA this, this week, just yesterday, uh, announced that Kelly Simmons, uh, who had been in the game for actual decades, I think um, a billion years uh, is about right. <laughs> average, um, yeah, give or take. <laughs> average about a billion years or so, uh, will be stepping down uh, from her role as head of women's football uh, in the professional game. And uh, in 2024 and I think um, I mean that seems monumental um, there's not too much information about why but I think it just seems like for her it's the the right time she's obviously been absolutely incremental you know a huge significant in growing the game I think there's now sort of you know 3.8 million more women and girls uh, getting involved in in the sport that, than ever before and um, you know she's seen an era of uh, the FA Cup band to the Lionesses winning the the Euros on uh, in the in the home home country so um, yeah I mean what, what do you think the signals for, for the FA who's, who's well, going to take her place I mean that's big I mean, boots to fill I don't know who's going to take her place but I do want to say that her impact on the game is immeasurable um, she's been obviously involved in, in it in the FA for 30 years. So I can also understand why she's stepping down. That's a long time. It seems like, you know, and maybe a natural time to move away from something. And to say she's leaving the game in a better place is an understatement. Um, I mean, it's like talk about going out on a high. Um, you know, that's not to say there's not a lot more work to be done within the women's game. But when you look at maybe where it was and she started, um, she'd a huge involvement in establishing England women's youth teams, the female player pathway, you know, embedding football development within county FAs, you know, overseeing, you know, pushing for that professional side of the game as well. Like the list is endless. So I don't know who, I don't know who's going to take over. Like I'd just be plucking names out of the air now at this stage. But, um, you know, maybe it signifies where the women's game, the WSL is going in terms of ownership of the league or who's going to run the league. Um, and maybe that kind of time that she leaves is when there's going to be a change but I don't know because it hasn't been it hasn't been leaked or no one said anything yet I think it's that I think for me I feel like because obviously she's not leaving this year she's still got the what, a year and a half left uh, we've obviously got the you know the World Cup coming up this year we've got the Olympics next year so it'll be kind of interesting to see you know how how the teams do how the women's sides do in, in these big competitions uh, and then we've got the Euros in 2025 which would be bloody amazing again just three incredible summers of pure 
women's football, football bliss. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, for me, I think it it's a timely thing. I think Simmons is going to be announced. Um, yeah, obviously she's been announced as, as she's leaving, but I think she's going to be announced and then there's going to be like a, a successor to it. And I think, like you said, I think it's going to be, you know, a big outfit coming in or potentially the WSL Championship, you know, being taken over by a big unnamed brand um mm-hmm. and then sort of seeing how that then goes because i think the the time of the fa you know being in control of these leagues is now coming to an end they've become too big they've become too profitable uh, and i think they need to be probably better managed and not by a regulatory body so i do think that um yeah this announcement is maybe part of a wider and bigger thing um that the fa are planning hopefully to hand over at a good time before people start calling for that to happen um so yeah rather than be pushed and shoved I think they're maybe bowing out gracefully but um obviously the pod will still be running in 2024 so we will keep you updated sorry we're going to be running for a billion years (laughs) yeah yeah a billion years well yeah I mean I I want to be doing this on my deathbed so um you and me in an old folks home yeah I mean (laughs) imagine we might sound a little bit shakier um but uh, our our sound quality will be terrible because we can't hear anything No, but technology by that point will have moved on so much that we'll be um, we'll be virtually doing it. So actually, we'll bring the the podcast, and you'll be able to like there'll be little figurines of us in front of people. Oh my talking. god, you've thought about this. Oh god, yeah. I mean, up front in the future. Thank you. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we get on to an exciting weekend domestically, we should turn to Europe. Arsenal and Chelsea are in action in the quarterfinals of the Champions League against Bayern Munich and Lyon. 
Yes, I dropped in with Amy Ruskai, Gold's women's football correspondent and an absolute expert on all things European football to tell us how Arsenal and Chelsea's opponents are shaping up. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us um, on today's pod. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm excited. Um, some pretty big fixtures, especially given we've still got the two English teams um, in the quarterfinals and they have drawn some pretty tasty opponents. Um, first off, Arsenal, Bayern Munich. Really looking forward to this one. Um, Arsenal went out to German opposition at this stage of last season against Wolfsburg. Um, is there anything to indicate they'll have better luck this time around? I mean, I think getting that trophy, the Conte Cup over the line, will definitely help the whole team and just giving them a lot of confidence in a big game, in a big competition, something that they've not done for quite a few years when a trophy. So I can only imagine that it's so cliche to say it's a springboard, but it's it's always going to do something good. So I think that that is definitely a boost. And for it to have come so close to this tie as well, you know, they'll still be feeling the effects of that kind of confidence boost, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bayern, of course, the only team to have beaten Barcelona this season 3-1 at the Allianz Arena in the group stages. What, like, about that display, what does that kind of show us or tell us about um, the strengths of this Bayern side? I think it tells you what a good job that Alexander Strauss has done there since he joined the club in the summer. I mean, they've had injuries this season as well. I think people kind of see how well Bayern are doing and it's quite easy to forget, you know, they've lost a lot of players to injury. Um, whether it's long-term, like Julia Vin, who's out with an ACL, or whether it's just short-term, they've had you know quite significant players missing for a handful of games. So I think the way that he's kind of got in, implemented his ideas, players have adapted to them, and he's kind of adapted to the players, and everything's kind of almost like a compromise to make everything work together while still battling through you know injuries and short pre-season, which I can't imagine having a short pre-season is a great thing as a new manager. Um, the way that all everything's kind of come together, that Barcelona game is a great example of how it did and just how good this team can be. Um, not just now, but I think moving forward over the years, the longer that Strauss is there as well. They're both. I feel like they're both pretty solid defensively. I mean, sometimes Arsenal maybe look a little bit shaky, but when you look at the number of goals they can see, they're they're doing fairly well in that respect. But in the midfield area, should we see Leah Williamson kind of depending where she plays? Will she play up that midfield area? We could potentially see her go up against fellow lioness Georgia Stanway, who's obviously having a great season. How's she been getting on? Do you reckon? Really well. I think that she is kind of perfect for everything that Bayern want, that Strauss wants, like. She just kind of fits. And I think it's quite cool to see her. She seems to just be really happy. Like she just seems to be thriving, enjoying kind of a new challenge and just a different environment. And, you know, I I imagine when you get sat in rainy Manchester for quite a few years, it must be nice to um, go somewhere else. But, you know, that said, I I read the other day she was talking about how cold it was in Munich. So probably not weather related, but I imagine when you've been somewhere for such a long time to go somewhere else, everything's just kind of new and exciting. I mean, she's a brilliant player. We don't need to kind of talk about how good a player she is. Um, but she's just been doing really well. I think I actually, I read today she's got more goals and assists. To, she's kind of the most directly involved player for Bayern Munich in the Champions League this season for their goals, which 
tells you the story of just how well she settled there. Wow, God, yeah, definitely something that Arsenal are going to need to keep an eye on. I remember she when she joined Bayern, it obviously wasn't like that long after the, the Euros final. It was so weird to see her with like arms around players that like she had just beaten in the final. And, you know, that was quite a testy match. And then it just showed how quickly she settled in because she seems to have like, they all seem to be really good friends now. Is it the one with um, Sydney Lohman? Didn't her and Sydney Lohman send Jill Scott a video message? either when she was going in the jungle or something like that, or maybe it was when she announced her retirement. I can't remember exactly what the moment was, but obviously Sydney Lohman, the victim of the sweary rant, we'll call it, that Jill Scott had in that final. Yeah, her and Georgia Stanway sent her a video of something, which is so hilarious, really made me laugh. Oh, I love that. Um, and then, of course, uh, other um, London and England side still in it is Chelsea facing Leon. We've seen Leon, of course... Um, earlier on in the Champions League, Arsenal kind of doing doing quite some damage and maybe some surprising damage um, in this one. Do you, do you reckon we'll see something like that again? Or I feel like Leon have definitely strengthened since. Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird one because they had a poor group stage, but they had so many players out injured that they just needed to kind of limp through it, I think. And now they're getting to this point and we've still got question marks over some of those players. We don't know when Ada Hegelberg's going to be back exactly. Um, Grigian Bok, I believe, is still out as well. So it's kind of like, well, do you know, if we kind of looked at it as if they limp through the group stages, they'll slowly get players back and they're only going to get better. And I feel like Lyon are almost like the Germany of club football, right? They're a team that you write them off at your peril. And even if they still don't look their best, I mean, they nearly got knocked out in the quarterfinals of the French Cup the other week. They won on penalties against Rons. Like, you still feel, well, this is Leon. They still have X, Y, Z. They still have this winning mentality. They're still the eight-time European champions. So to write them off would be a little bit foolish, wouldn't it? Is that what, do you think, where the difference will be? Obviously, Chelsea's fourth appearance in the quarterfinals, um, where, of course, as you said, Leon have won it eight times. Do you see that kind of rift in experience potentially being, being the decider? It's hard to say because then if you look at the players, like we just said, that, Leon have still got out you know is does, is it kind of quite balanced because you know but then you've got Chelsea without you know possibly without Frank Kirby again you know Pernille Harder like it's quite I think it's really difficult to call that tie just because it's one of those ties you'd love to see both teams full strength go at it but yeah we're, we're not going to get that and it's kind of like how how does the balance sit like how is it going to work with the mentality with the injuries like where teams are at in their performances and stuff. I think that's a really, really difficult tie to call. Yeah, it's an interesting one because we always talk about Chelsea's mentality even when they're not like playing great. They have that kind of winning edge and I guess they're going to need that in this match. But also, I also find that they're always a little bit more nervous when they're in the Champions League, Chelsea. And maybe it's because it's the one thing they haven't got yet. I think Chelsea this season, I mean, we just mentioned the absentees, obviously, but they just haven't hit that kind of this is us, this is, you know, Chelsea, like, um, and I, I said it before Christmas, I was like, they still haven't hit top gear, what are they going to look like when they hit top gear, considering, you know, I think it was at, at Christmas, the only game they'd lost was to Liverpool on the opening day, um, and it was like, if they're winning almost every week without playing too well, what's it going to look like when they're playing well? And they're just not really kind of hit that form yet, I don't think, and it just, is it going to 
is it going to come at all this season? Because I was kind of like, oh, well, after Christmas, he plays it with a break, they'll come back and hit that form. But they just haven't yet. And it's, it's a little bit strange. It is, yeah. I've kind of felt like that a bit about Chelsea. They're still win- winning, but not playing the best that we've seen them play. Um, speaking of just before Christmas, obviously they beat PSG. That was probably the best I'd seen them play maybe this season. Um, obviously, Lauren James was key there. With those injuries in the Chelsea squad, she's going to be so, her and Sam Kerr are just going to be so, so important, surely, to try and, you know, punch holes in that Leon defence. Yeah, and I think when we're talking about punching holes in it, it's Lauren James, isn't it? It's that kind of unpredictability, the way she can kind of just shift her weight and suddenly go the other way that you're expecting. And then it's just about Sam Kerr profiting from that. Um, I mean, we've seen times where it's, all it takes is a, a long ball up to Sam Kerr and she'll just do something magic with it. And, um, I think that's, yeah, that's one thing that Chelsea have definitely got is players that in a moment can completely change a game, that could win a game, that could win a tie. Um, I mean, Leon have that as well, of course. But yeah, I think Lauren James, I mean, she's been outstanding this season. She's a player that can just spin a game on its head completely in a moment. I feel like, you know, it's not just maybe your Arsenal's and Chelsea's who haven't been playing their best. It feels like maybe across... Europe, maybe maybe not Barcelona, but you know, people aren't maybe playing their top level that we're used to seeing. And I wonder if that's a combination of having your Olympics, having a Euros, like starting to see players maybe a little bit tired. And we're kind of seeing that in the leagues now across Europe. Would that be fair, do you reckon? Yeah, and I think it's understandable, like we say, because if you think about the the break after the Euros and obviously all the other major international tournaments, Copa America or whatever it might be, the break after that tournament and then going into pre-season is so short. I mean, you know, it's it's incredible that, I mean, I'd have broken down by now. <laughs> I mean, I took three <laughs> weeks off after the Euros and I didn't even play any, I just covered it. So I, I think it's just, it's just one of those things that, it's one of those things that you want to kind of see change in the schedule. Is there a way to bring that tournament a little bit further forward, play in June, like start in June, just so it gives the players more, more rest after the tournament rather than before the tournament. But it's one of those things where I think the French league ended the first week of June last season. So it's one of those things that needs aligning because you want to see these players give it a break. You want to see less ACL injuries, right? You want to see players rested, playing well and getting the chance to do that. Well, we know we do have obviously some very tasty ties coming up there in the Champions League. So I'm going to get you to give me your predictions. Firstly, arsenal Barn. Uh, Bayern Chelsea Leon um, Chelsea okay I love that and we of course the other two we've got Roma against Barcelona do I need to ask you your yeah. predictions for that one yeah I think Barca have got that one um, and then the final one a very tasty one PSG against Wolfsburg Wolfsburg but I think that one has chaos energy I think that could be like a 5-4 something stupid oh I love love the sound of that that would be great that yeah that does feel like maybe one of the tastiest ties of the of the quarterfinals um well we will see if you're right both games are all games kicking off Tuesday and Wednesday so um let's see what happens but I'm looking forward to it thank you for joining us and giving us your insight of uh enjoyed that one and I can't wait for the fixtures I can't wait for my prize in the post when I'm right thank you
Thanks, Amy Roscoe, for joining us. Looking forward to those ties. I mean, Rachel, you've been back in the van ahead of Women's Football Weekend, making lots of content and visiting different clubs far and wide. Um, I mean, what's been your highlight so far? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, we've gone to three clubs so far. I've uh, got another one today, hence the early record, because um, i got to get up to the Northwest. It's all been fun. Like, we're, we're chatting to players about the importance of the weekend. Um, but I think them coming out and seeing the van, um, we've had a couple of them get in the van and uh, play with the, the horn and all sorts of stuff has been quite <laughs> funny. So um, I'm not going to pick a favourite. We've had a lovely time with everybody. Um, but no, it's been good fun to have the van back. And I think... This weekend is another moment to kind of capitalise on the growth of the game and obviously capitalise on the fact that um, the men's uh, league is in international break at the moment. So that's going to be a good moment to kind of capitalise on that. Um, would have been good to make... There's three, I think three main stadia. There could be more. But I, when, when I'm thinking about the North London Derby, it is a shame that it's not in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But um, there are going to be plenty of big stadia and I'll be at three of them. So I'm excited for that. Um, have you got any kind of standout memories of Women's Football Weekend? Weren't you involved in the in the 38,000 one at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or am I? Yes, yeah. Just that, that small matter? It was, uh, I mean, at the time it was a record breaker. Uh, I mean, but it was also, you know, scary as shit. I mean, it was the first time we'd gone from literally playing at the Hive and before that, you know, playing at Cheson. Um, and it was just, you've gone from sort of, you know, three, 400 fans at best uh, and then to 38,000 people. I mean, walking out in that stadium and they'd actually given us um, a, a pre-tour. I mean, this is back in the days where, you know, Spurs really didn't mind that much about the women's team, but then they had this big announcement and we were like, oh, it's going to be record-breaking. It's going to be amazing, friends, family. You know, it's going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to be shown live on TV. And this was like all a massive novelty thing. And, um, you know, we're in the changing rooms getting ready and we've got all of our shirts laid out. You know, got Morgan, and Spencer like it was just and I, like, Joe, I was with Josie and Jenna at the time and like being with your best mates I mean I, I, I don't really like saying that about Jenna Scalacci but I know, best I know. mates um, in the Spurs changing room for the very first time about to walk out of that tunnel even just to go on the pitch and the warm up and seeing everyone arrive and there's banners everywhere and there's like young families there and just this massive massive event it was just um it was probably one of the one of the best memories of, of my life let alone um yeah I mean if I have a child or I get married uh that might be up there but I don't think it's going to top two or three feeling. yeah 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 I mean being in love and having your first child I'm like mm, yeah, yeah but actually 38,000 people yeah, yeah. better um <laughs> I but was yeah. at that game it was incredible <laughs> it was just unreal I mean obviously we got beaten because you know Spurs will never I think we're cursed against their Arsenal no, it's, uh, I don't they think drew last year. They drew last year. Yeah, game but that was. yet to pick up the whole three points. Yet to yet to actually beat the sides. I think um, yeah, the gulf between Spurs and Arsenal now just seems bigger than ever. So um, me asking if this could be the weekend is not the best question, is it? I think it's redundant, if I'm honest. I mean, we've got a touch <laughs> on this big game coming up because to me, it just feels like Arsenal are going to walk away with. The win. I mean, Spurs now, obviously, with the the win against uh, Leicester, uh, I feel like they're not not complacent. They can't be complacent. They're they're so far away from from a situation they can be complacent. But now one of the favourites to get out of the relegation zone. We'll put it that way. Um, and now Arsenal, obviously, they've got the game in hand, need to win this. If they win it, they get the three points. Obviously, then they're on target. Um, you know, well, they're back in the back in the pack, really, with the uh, Man City and Man United back on equal points. Man United's goal difference is, is, uh, is pretty incredible, but Arsenal need this I win. I think Arsenal's pretty close in terms of goal difference. Um, but then, of course, you've got Chelsea 
Man City playing at the weekend. So it all kind of, uh, it all kind of comes together. Yeah, uh, Man United's goal difference is 29 and Arsenal's 25. So they're not too far mm. off them. I, I mean, I don't see any upsets with this weekend. I think, in honesty, I think it's going to be a bit of a bland game. I think Arsenal are going to do absolute wonders on the pitch. And I think, um, even though I think Spurs obviously picked up the points against Leicester, I don't think this signals kind of a new era for Spurs. I think they just hit Leicester at the right time. Um, um, but I mean, obviously now they've ended their massively disgusting run of their nine games. Um, you know, nine successive defeats. Uh, lost Rianne Skinner last week. Um, but yeah, I don't think um, they still look weak. They still don't look... It wasn't a convincing win against Leicester City. So I don't think, oh, this is the, the changing of the guard and no. they're suddenly going to pull it out and, um, yeah, do, do wonders. I, I'm no, not excited I mean... about them. They didn't beat Leicester because they got rid of Rianne Skinner. Do you know what I mean? That wasn't like a, like you say, there wasn't some sudden turn or shift. It's not like, you know, when Jens Schur left, Brighton came out. Yes, they lost to Chelsea and to Man City, but wow, what a change and what a performance they put in. Like that was a real, like like two different teams almost. Um, granted, Rianne was, um, they sacked Rianne on Monday and they had the game on, on Wednesday. So there's not really a lot of time to make those changes. But I just think the fact that this was a, you know fight for your lives basically game it was always going to be like that it was always going to be scrappy both teams absolutely had to win particularly Spurs so I think that's why like it just it wasn't a good game of football it wasn't great both sides were felt a little bit nervy it felt like the occasion was like getting to them a little bit um but listen this is why Beth England is there isn't it that's why they brought her in um that's why she's worth two hundred and fifty thousand pounds <laughs> to um, literally save your ass from the relegation zone it's worth it I mean that's we're just gonna play Beth ball now at the weekend <laughs> defend send it to Beth pass it to your quarter of a million pound player avoid getting into the championship again um, no but like they have they have players they have the talent in the squad I think to cause problems it's just getting that to knit together, which seems to be the issue, is just not knitting together at the moment. When you look at who they have, and they've got Mane Ibuchi in as well, and we haven't mm-hmm. spoken a lot about her, you know. They have good defenders in that back line. It's just, I don't know, it's just hasn't clicked. Um, yeah. To be honest, the one person I feel really sorry for out this entire time is Rianne Skinner, because I just feel like they should have just given her two more days. She would have had this win. It wouldn't have all looked so bad. I don't think it's actually her fault. I think they've just been a bit shit. And given the talent they've got, they should be doing a lot better. Um, but yeah, Vicky Jepsen obviously stepped in uh, as assistant coach, uh, and now she's sort of... There talks about her maybe taking over for the rest of the season, or race. do you think someone else is going to step in? I think they'd be, <clears throat> excuse me. I think they'd be mad to get someone else in for these last few games. Um, the team need consistency, um, and Vicky Jepsen has, has managed. Like she knows what she's doing. So I, I would, I would definitely at least keep her in for the remainder of the season. I don't see the point of having her in for a couple of games and then getting someone else in and them settled and them trying to bed in their style of football. At least they know Vicky and what she's about. So. Um, it's not necessarily going to be a huge change necessarily from Rianne Skinner, but I just think in terms of like what the club needs, I would keep her there for sure. First game in charge and it's a win. Uh, you know, 100% success record for Vicky Jepsen at the moment. So uh, things are looking bright. <laughs> uh, but another big derby this weekend, uh, the Merseyside derby at Goodison Park. Uh, Everton take on Liverpool. Uh, I mean, Rach, where are you going to be this weekend? Yourself, Soph, the van? We will be there. Goodison Park. Okay. Yes, looking forward to this one. And then we're going to do Man United, West Ham and Old Trafford. And then on Sunday, we're going to come down to Villa Park. So 
yeah, some good stadia for the van to see. Although the van has already seen Old Trafford, so she's probably bored of it at this stage. I was going to say, yeah, old news, yeah. really. Old news yeah. for... What, what are you calling the, fa- the van? Is it fa- Fanny the van or something like that? Yeah, or like, like the thing is, we had a spitball of ideas about a name and, and Fanny the vanny kind of came out oh, and I like just... It's, it's never changed, but I also tend not to refer to her as that, so I just... I think we should put it out to the listeners, actually. Uh, If you want to send us your suggestions of names for the van, we can do a little bit like, um, you know when it was going to be that boat in, in, uh, what was it, like a naval vessel? Boaty McBoatface. Boaty McBoatface, (laughs) yeah. And then in the end, they called it like Sir David Attenborough. And it was like, they just can't be trusted. We cannot be trusted. But upfront listeners, we are giving you the power. We are giving you that trust. Please submit your suggestions uh, for Fanny the Van. I'm going to veto Vanny McVanface because that's just not original. But anything else, let's... Let's, let's hear it. I could 100% see that coming up in the feed. Yeah, I'm going to see my suggestions literally on the WhatsApp chat later. They might not be appropriate <laughs> for uh, for public domain, but um, but yeah, you're getting them. Um, I will be at, uh, well, well I've got, I mean, we've got a game. We've got a game uh, tomorrow oh, yeah, night. Oh, uh, Brum City. Um, yeah, which will be interesting. Just a seven o'clocker on a Wednesday night in Birmingham. Um, Listen, they played well against Brighton. I think they're unlucky in the FA Cup. Um, right, you so know, there was helpful. a... There was a four-minute window where Brighton kind of did the damage, but they had so many shots that hit the woodwork five times. So you could be coming up against an angry Birmingham, so... But also be, be a prepared. Birmingham who might be a little bit more tired given all the efforts that they sure. exerted at the weekend. So um, yeah, yeah. and we've had the weekend off. So yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, We'll see how we fare. And then uh, Women's Football Weekend, we take on Blackburn uh, at home um, at Bromley, um, which will be a really interesting game. Blackburn always put up a massive fight. They're a very robust team. Defend like their lives are on the line. So um, yeah, it's going to be going to be a big one. Um, right, we will keep you updated with all the Women's Football Weekend news uh, next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Upfront. If you've got any questions for us and if you want to submit your incredible incredible suggestions for the name of the fan van please tweet us at Football Ramble at Girls on the Ball for Rach and I am at Morgie underscore 89 We will see you next week Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.